welcome to Keeping Up With Life, where we empower you with health, business and family life strategies for you to live your best days. I'm your host, Pippa Hanson. I'm the CEO, a mother of teenagers and have a passion to live an active and healthy life. Each episode contains practical tips and insights on how you can succeed in all aspects of your life, delivered to you in bite-sized pieces to implement straight away. This episode is brought to you by the Sports Injury Clinic, whose mission is to enhance the lives of its clients, staff, other professionals and the greater community. I'm excited to introduce you to this week's special guest, Caroline Bender. Caroline is a pelvic floor physiotherapist, wife and mother of two young men. Welcome, Caroline. Pleased to be here. So we're going to get straight to the point today. Why do people come and see you or other pelvic floor physiotherapists? Well, I think the best way to answer this is to divide into men and women. Women come to see us for all problems to do with the pelvis, pelvic, pelvic floor. And typically that might be bladder issues, bladder control problems. Um, women who develop pelvic organ prolapse is a, is a big area that we deal with. Women around pregnancy, whilst they're pregnant, after the pregnancy, when they're trying to rehabilitate pelvic floor. Um, and bowel issues, obviously, and very much um, an area that is of great interest to me is pelvic pain, and that includes sexual pain, and it also includes complex pain all around the pelvis, particularly for people who have done a lot of trying this, osteo, chiro, physio, sports doctors, all sorts of people have been looking, and they're probably missing the bit in the middle, which is the pelvic floor, so then they come to us. And I think that's an interesting point, isn't it? Because you can get pain um, that's referred. So they might have back pain and they've been putting it with back pain for a long time, but really it's coming from the pelvic area. It could well be. Um, and interesting, I was at, uh, I did a great conference at the weekend all about this tissue, which is fascia. And like nerves in the body, fascia travels from head to toe. And it all crosses over in the middle at your pelvis. So very much we know more and more. If you have a problem in one part of the body, it might have an influence in another. That's the old um, knee bones connected to the foot bone. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, uh, f- funnily enough, um, if, if my husband ever says to me, I've got a pain, can you help me? And he says, oh, hang on a minute, I know where it's coming from. It's in my back, but it's coming from my toe. <laughs> but um, he's right, probably. Yeah. So... Is it lack of education or is it embarrassment that stop people coming to you in the first instance or putting off coming to you? I think it's probably um, a little bit of both. I think there are a lot of people who could consult us just to find out what to do with their pelvic floor, but they feel like they haven't really got a problem because um, pelvic floor physios are those physios that deal with those embarrassing things like leaking bladders and bowel problems. Um, but on the other hand, also, there is that lack of education where uh, a lot of people don't even know we exist. They don't, well, they know physios exist, but they didn't necessarily know there is a special whole group of physios that deal with pelvic floor physio. And yeah, they're not sure where to turn. And they may be lucky and have a GP, they go to the GP and their GP knows about us and can refer us on. Um, They may go to their GP and get referred to a specialist and then they might be lucky again that that specialist might be able to refer back to us because we work very closely as as a team with with these doctors. But even, even in that world, you know, that particular GP or specialist might not use physiotherapy services or pelvic floor physio services. So it is a bit of a luck of the draw 
and definitely education plays a part. And I think if people, they may go to their GP, but they still may be embarrassed to really tell them what's going on so the, uh, so the GP didn't get the full picture to send yes, them on. Yes, so that's where I think in the GP practices we hope there's health screening happening and, and screening for multiple problems because without a doubt in pelvic floor world, world prevention is better than cure. So, um, and I think that very much ties in with the postnatal group um, where we know, we know if you have deliver a baby, either um, by normal vaginal delivery or cesarean delivery, uh, you, you need to do some rehab. Um, and people don't know where to start or how to do it or how much to do it or how, how to continue it. And, um, yeah, they need to be given guidance. So I know when I had children and the last one's about to turn oh, 16, um, someone came into the hospital, but, yeah. but that was only while I was there. So when I left hospital, that was never recommended that I go and see um, a pelvic floor physio post-leaving yes, hospital. Exactly. So has that changed so, in this country? Um, no, it hasn't um, particularly. Uh, so we know that in other countries women do get access to a physiotherapist an X amount of – so in France, everyone quotes France where they get eight visits to a physio to do their rehab – so um, in this country, yeah, a lot of women don't do that follow-up and they don't get offered those services. So I think that's where if we had some better initiatives, we would get better preventative medicine. So we're not picking those problems up later, later in life. And we know that women generally talk, but if they're not exposed to it themselves and they're not passing on that information to new mums, are they? Whereas in France, if they're if that's part of the norm and they're having their eight sessions, they're, they're discussing that in their, their circles of conversation and, and it's the norm. Absolutely. So, um, we, we, you know, we would like women to be educated. We would like partners of women to know. Um, and, yeah, we would like to get women to get help in the early days, do it right, prevent the problems happening later. So, for example, pelvic organ prolapse, this is, this is where... The organs, which is the bladder, the bowel or the uterus, come down a little bit. Now, a certain amount is normal. And a lot of women are very fearful and worried and frightened if they feel any heaviness in the pelvis. They might come in. There are others who have, if you have a a large baby, which is a baby more than four kilograms, um, uh, if you have a long pushing phase of labour, if you have a third or fourth degree tear, if you have a forceps delivery, there is strong evidence that you're at high risk of pelvic organ prolapse. So those are the people that need to be doing that rehab who need to know to prevent that problem happening later. So you've used the word rehab a couple of times. So is it like someone sprains an ankle and they've no longer got the ankle, it's all the swelling's gone down, they've no longer got the pain, but they haven't strengthened it and they keep, therefore, they, you know, every couple of six months or once a year, they topple over on that ankle because they didn't do the rehab to get it back Is that what you're talking about? Absolutely. And um, when women come in after delivering babies, and by the way, that isn't the only group we deal with. You know, anyone in the population um, might have issues. But let's talk, you know, talking about women who've had babies. They come in and um, you're lifting and carrying your baby. You're trying to feed yourself. You're trying to uh, come to terms with the demands and sudden 100% focus on this little baby. It's amazing how much 
of the day that baby takes up and you know you you feel like you should be doing this and 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 you should be tidying and cleaning and all that sort of stuff um so we're trying to tell women we we say that just imagine if you'd been playing netball or footy or 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 golf or whatever and you've sprained your ankle or injured your soft tissue injury you're going to be putting your, your your feet up you know you're going to be going through that rehab pathway so and we usually write it down in, um, in in on our notes that we're giving that person and we say the dinner won't be cooked and um, the house won't be tidied the toddler's toys won't be put away um, so that it, women know that it's okay to look after yourself and just do the rehab it's the guilt, isn't it? The guilt of trying to do it all. <laughs> well, that's right. I think yes. is it China that they the women only pretty much look after the baby for the first twelve weeks, and the family actually do everything else. Well, culturally, that time. yeah, there are lots of different ways of doing it. You know, in different cultures, and um, um, perhaps in some of those cultures we had it right. But um, funny enough, in in the current COVID times, I'm getting a lot of feedback from women that. It's so lovely to actually have a partner who's might be walking, working from home, but um, all those hours that weren't being lost to travel are now hours that can be had at home. So there's a lot of, I think, silver lining stories to the current times. Yeah, I think you're right. And as uh, we know, we're not sure when this edition will go to air, but we're currently in stage four lockdown in, in Melbourne, Australia, yeah. aren't we? So Indeed. it's um, challenging. But I think that extra time is something that we've, we're hearing about often, which is great. Yeah, and I'm hearing from women that, um, women, you know, when they've got toddlers and babies, that there is a little bit more time um, just to focus on that small unit rather than rushing around, being mm. everything to everyone and attending everything, which is perhaps a little bit what society was like before. Mm. So you said it's just not pregnant women that have these problems. What else can cause this type of thing? So if you were um, a high-level um, not even a high-level sports person, someone who likes to run half marathons and some triathlon or just um, weights. Um, you know, the gym world is huge at the moment, which is fantastic. Um, personal training. Uh, if, if you do uh, weight-resisted exercise, a lot of impact exercise, you need to know what your pelvic floor is doing. Um, you need to know that you're doing the right thing. Um, um, we do see it that people are bearing down and not actually tightening and lifting up. And look, if you don't know what your pelvic floor is doing and you're a high-level exerciser, it doesn't take much to find out. It's one it's one visit to a pelvic floor physio. Um, there's also there are there are particular risk factors um, in, in beyond childbirth. Those would be chronic coughs. So if you have a chronic an asthma or a, a condition that makes you cough a lot there is increased risk of pelvic floor injury, which typically leads to, for example, leakage of urine when you cough, sneeze, lift, push, pull, anywhere that when there's any pressure down, the weakness causes leakage. So people with chronic coughs, people who are have a higher than uh, healthy body mass index, BMI, so carrying extra weight, uh, that's a feature of our society. Um, a lot of us, uh, you know, work on this. We battle with this, but let's face it: if we are carrying that extra weight, uh, that is without a doubt a risk factor for pelvic floor dysfunction and pelvic organ prolapse. And um, so we've got people with the coughs. We've got, um, yeah, the the body mass index, and another one, believe it or not, is chronic constipation. 
So again, we don't even think you think, oh, that's just me. That's that's just just I've just got to live with this. And but if you strain, that is just a slow, steady injury to the pelvic floor. Yeah, it's Men, great to look women. at it like that, isn't it? Yeah. It really does normalise it when you're saying you're straining it. It's overuse. It's that uh, yeah, you're repetitive. Pushing, yeah, pushing, pushing. It, it's like constantly bending your elbow back the wrong way, you know, constantly sort of um, um, stressing a part of the body in, in a way that it's not supposed to be stressed. And um, one of the things we do is uh, teach people how to empty the bar without straining. And I tell you what. When you teach someone in their 80s how to do that and finally <laughs> they're not constipated anymore, it is a joyous You're moment. <laughs> so any age group, you would not believe the number of people. And just that is education. Yeah. I mean, I truly believe simple education about bowel routine, about bowel habits. Um, it's not complex stuff but it's not stuff we ever get taught. Yeah, which is why I was excited to have you on on the episode. You know, it is really important. Mm. The age you talked about, you know, bladder leakage, I often hear women that have had children, so they could have been in their early 40s, just say, oh, well, that's what happens, and I and you put up with it and they don't go and get help and they just think that's normal. Yes, and I think um, that's a little bit backed up by this double-edged sword where we've got um, – um, adverts on TV about LBL, light bladder leakage. Now, on the one hand, it's good that you are normalising it to allow women to talk about it. But on the other hand, I, I just wish those companies that are selling pads to, to contain the leakage would also just put a word in. And by the way, <laughs> you can actually rehabilitate your muscles and overcome this problem. Um, so, yes, uh, it is there is a little bit of a factor of normalizing it yeah, yeah that's interesting i hadn't thought of those ads like that but you're completely right you're just saying here's the solution yeah that's right and i i wouldn't um deny that appropriate containment as as it's called in our world um appropriate pad use usage is vital for for certain people in certain situations um who are trying to live their lives without embarrassment uh, that that is something that we would deal with if necessary, or certainly on the pathway. If you're on a pathway of your rehab to get to that point where you might not need them anymore, it, you need the right the right coverage and the right containment. So, um, yeah, but we we would like to think they're not forever. Yeah, great. <laughs> so so yeah. So you talked about weight as well. What about um, if it's not body weight? You know, maybe there's some occupations that carry extra weight as part of their workload, and they could be female firefighters, they could be female police officers with the equipment belts. Well, yes. Um, you know, it, that, that is actually an interesting point because I'm not a, particularly aware of studies, you know, of those groups in particular, but with, without a doubt, heavy lifting. So um, we'll meet people who are, you know, just working everyday work every day work all around us supermarkets and retail lifting and carrying boxes um yeah it's it's constant strain and um i think another one on that front is that there are a lot of women who do sustain pelvic organ prolapse and it's a question of when did it start but it's certainly made symptomatic by heavy lifting in the workplace is it a work cover injury or not? And that's a little bit tricky, maybe a little bit, I don't know. But uh, it's tough for women to speak up and I'm off work because my prolapse is bothering me. Yeah, definitely. So what about um, that age group of grandparents lifting young children? 
Now there is there are some studies about that, and that is a definite there that is a definite issue. So these are women are who are postmenopausal. I would say that after menopause for women, that is a time for lots of reasons that 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 um, pathway towards pelvic floor issue speeds up. So let's say the issue started with childbirth. We a lot of women will dabble with a little bit of exercise and then it goes out of their regular routine and then the issues do hit it, menopause. So that's the time that women are then starting to look after the grandchildren and that's a real tough one. And yes, we see an awful lot of women in that situation that the prolapses have become symptomatic. In other words, it might have been creeping creeping down for, for many, many years but suddenly it gets to that point where you know it's there and it causes discomfort. It typically causes like a heavy dragging sensation. It can give you back pain. It can link with some bladder issues, can link with bowel issues, difficulty emptying the bowel. Um, but typically it'll be a women will report a sensation. Something's not quite right at the, at the vagina, which is the, the, the weakened area where the prolapse um, comes down to. So, um, Yes, that is a typical time of life, and mm. yeah. And I know we're good. seeing that age group anyway for the um, the lifting in terms of their back and neck and shoulders because they're lifting these little bubs. But th- yeah. they're probably not. They're probably thinking those other pelvic floor issues are age related more yeah. so than that yeah. new behaviour of lifting yeah. the grandchildren. And I think for a long for a long time there was a a, a, a belief that. The surgeons could fix it. Now, there is fantastic surgery out there for pelvic organ prolapse for women that need it. Um, unfortunately, we had that debacle that you may have heard of, this mesh debacle, where quite I think it, quite a significant percentage of women who'd had this certain type of um, product put into the body to help lift the prolapse um, then had pelvic pain, had pain problems. And there was a class action and um, it's it's been in the media. So where women used to know that there was some surgery that might help them, um, I'm, I'm pleased to say people are thinking twice about the surgery and the surgeons are making sure that you're given a good opportunity to do your rehab first. So um, where surgery might have been, you know, yeah, we'll fix it up with the surgery – it's not really what we want to be doing now. So it it becomes even more important that we we deal with it when we can, deal with it when it's easy to manage, deal with it to prevent it becoming symptomatic, to prevent it. If a problem if a prolapse doesn't mm. bother you, it doesn't matter. It's not it's not an issue. Yeah. It's just part of us, just the way we are. But um yeah, once it's symptomatic, oh, well, it's come down a long way. We need to really get on and do something now. Yeah, you don't want people's lives impacted and people choosing not to go out or not socialise. That it makes yeah. a whole lot of other problems, doesn't it? Absolutely. In an, in in pelvic floor world, that is one of the there was a huge correlation with depression, um, um lack of well being, withdrawing from friendships, withdrawing from the walking group, withdrawing from the can't go to the gym, people not wanting to go to the swimming pool. Oh, you know, I don't want to go because that that that, you know, stirs my bladder up and bladder leakage, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So yeah, um pelvic floor problems have a high correlation with some quite negative um, impacts. Yeah. So what types of rehab are you talking about? How how um how much time do people need to put into it? How easy is it? Okay, well, that's a 
good question. <laughs> so, uh, can we talk about it? <laughs> <laughs> we certainly can. We can talk about anything. Um, so, first of all, a session with a physio teaches you what to do. Uh, we use ultrasound. We do do internal examinations. We never do an external examination unless we're given consent. Um, there's ways and means of, of working things out to try and help people. Um, and then most people will make that decision, well, let's really find out what's going on and are happy to go go ahead with an examination. So you know you're doing the right thing. Now, those muscles are just like a little sling of muscles at the base of your pelvis. You and I are sitting on them right now. And when you tighten them up, it, 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 they, they lift, they draw up. And if you've got a great lift and you can hold that for eight seconds, um, brilliant. We might ask you to do eight of those eight-second squeezes, and we call that a set, and we're going to try and find three times a day to do them when you're training. So it sounds like you could do them in your car at the traffic lights, at your desk. Well, yeah. Now, interesting you mentioned you certainly you can, but the, but the car at the traffic lights is an interesting one because that was a very powerful message that came through years ago, and it was such a fantastic, powerful message. Unfortunately, a study has been done not so long ago looking at people who had been doing their pelvic floor at the traffic lights for many years and didn't necessarily have very good pelvic floor function. Why? Because they're concentrating on driving, not on doing their exercise. So to get some good outcomes with your exercise, it it, it doesn't take much, but you need to concentrate, you need to know what you're doing, and you need to do it well. A bit like if you wanted to change... It's like I often use the analogy with biceps at the front of the upper arm and triceps is the floppy muscle at the back of the upper arm. And if you actually wanted to change your triceps, a floppy old triceps, into a nice toned, strong biceps, because we use biceps all day long, um, you'd have to go in the gym and really focus or you'd have to have some specific equipment at home. You don't need equipment to pelvic floor, by the yeah. way. So, but for the triceps, well, you could use body weight and, and, and et cetera. But, yeah, um, the exercise physiologists and physios will have great um, ideas for this. But, yeah, you would need to be focused and targeted and do it to the right degree. So, again, drawing that analogy with other rehab, it's got to be specific, targeted. So that, that keeps the muscle strong. But I would say also there is that element that pelvic floor needs to be able to be done as I'm picking up the shopping bag, as mm. I'm pushing the shopping trolley up the hill of the, you know, in the at the car park, um, as I'm picking up the child. So you've got to have that ability and that function of the pelvic floor. Um, so yes, it's it's not hard to do the exercises, need to do them well, and then we need to apply them to everyday life. So the, the lifting's an interesting one because already when we lift, we're told to um, bend at the knees yeah. and not just bend over. And so it's obviously the bend at the knees and the pelvic floor and yeah, get it, get and, it right. Um, I mean, a lot of people are familiar with the phrase engage the core, um, which people might say, but in my experience, a lot of people have learnt about their core, in inverted commas, um, where they're told to sort of draw their tummy back towards their spine, sort of flatten their tummy. And it's not a given that the pelvic floor will be coming on too. But if you've done your, had your specific uh, intervention and with someone who knows what they're doing, pelvic floor physio, let's say, um, you will realise that when you have got to that level of rehab, when you do the right part of the tummy drawing in, the pelvic floor should lift. And sometimes that needs to be retrained to get those two working together. 
So, um, yeah, with the analogy with the, the lifting, it's about, yeah, bend, get yourself ready with the bend the knees and engage the right muscles and the pelvic floor should be part of that for sure. Yeah. So um, Pilates. I know years ago I had a conversation with you about Pilates and the um, that sometimes people that are suffering some of these conditions that Pilates can be over... Um, Overworking? Overworking, yeah. Well, how does that work? Well, again, you are highlighting a whole, a whole area of, um, of, of interest and we need to be, have a little – all people who deal with um, rehab need to have that little voice in their, their head that says, oh, is this a person that could be overusing? So, in other words, if you let, – let's go to the triceps analogy. If I – if I do my triceps exercise all day long, well, you just deplete the muscle. It's it's sore. It's 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 now it's stuck in the knot and it's full of trigger points and that you know it's not a happy muscle. So with the pelvic floor, uh, for every on there needs to be an off. So there are some people who just are so frantic to get these muscles strong, and we work them and work them and work them. And they work too much. But I would say, just a caveat on that, they might be people who are prone to muscles that hold tension very easily. And there is a link with um, just just the people who seem to hold the stress of the muscle, stress of the world in their muscles. And a little bit of prone to the little anxieties of life are constantly, you know, we're constantly, constantly thinking about stress and issues and that that personality type um prone to a bit of anxiety go 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 never let go and and there's got to be down for every on there's got to be an off yep. so you are referring to what we call we used to call it overactive pelvic floor and there is a bit of a move at the moment to refer to it more as increased tone pelvic floor those muscles are just a little bit tight yep and in our world um, unfortunately, the pelvic floor is tight. That leads us into one of those big areas that we deal with, with which is sexual pain. Which um, let's come back to that. So, just getting back to the holding on to the tension. That's interesting because, as you said, it's another muscle. So you're just you're, you're holding that stress in your body, your neck, yeah, your shoulders, your pelvic right. area. Yeah, yeah. And we'll we'll often in those people we meet who have um, increased tone pelvic floor. Um, that they will usually know about knots in the shoulders. Shoulders hold tension against gravity, as does the pelvic floor. Um, and so we'll draw those analogies. And, and we actually do treatments to the pelvic floor, very similar to what people do to muscles, just working through those little tricky points, working through the muscles and the fascia yep. and um, getting those muscles relaxing. Yep, fantastic. So sexual pain. Again, yes. and probably another taboo topic that people wouldn't easily Absolutely. want to discuss until it gets. I would say that is in this day and age, it is much more difficult. And sexual pain occurs in men and women. Um, and in women, unfortunately, if the muscles are tight, there's a closure at the vagina and penetration is painful. Um, so we do meet women who put up with this for years. Some women, it's the case from from first sexual activity, and in some women it might come on later in life for for whatever reason. That might be, let's say, if you're that slight personality type I was talking about, and there's a, some stress going on in life, and those muscles have come, come a little bit tense. We don't know it. 
and then suddenly um, sexual activity becomes a little bit less comfortable. Um, but, you know, it's part of our relationship. It's, it's what we do. So we push through and then the body goes into a guarding pattern where you know that when the body is trying to stay away from pain it, with the muscles, we withdraw. There's a tension, a withdrawal. So the muscles tense up to, uh, to try and protect from the pain. And unfortunately, that reinforces the pain. So you're in a vicious cycle. And it could be quite destructive for relationships, I'm sure, as well. Yes, interestingly, I was listening to a lecture last night with a fantastic research physio from uh, Canada called um, Melanie Morin. And um, Morin, shall we say? (laughs) Uh, She's from uh, Quebec, so they speak French. Um, so anyway, she, um, oh, I've got confused now as to where um, my mind's down in Quebec now. I was talking about... Pelvic um, pain, pelvic pain, was, relationships. Yeah, so she was pointing out, so in she's done this absolutely fantastic study that just just being printed now. She's pointing out that we focus, we tend to focus on the women and the, the psychological issues and the relationship issues and the guilt. Women feel guilty, just guilty. Um and they just desperately want to push through. But the men also uh, feel terrible. They feel bad. They don't want their, to hurt their partners. Um, they want the connection, the sexual, the, the sexual activities is part of. There's only one person you're allowed to have sex with. And, and, and you can't. So it, it does cause huge issues with relationships. And we see women who, whose relationships have ended because of it. And that's very sad. Yeah, that is very sad. Because, again, it's... It should be just something that's spoken about and that people can easily yeah. get help with. Yes, I think so. Um, you know, I suppose some people have their best mates they might talk talk about these things with, but then does the best mate know, know where to turn? Mm. And, um, yeah, I suppose perhaps you would imagine that the GP practice would be the place. But, again, is, it, is the high enough profile on this as a problem and does that GP know that, uh, pelvic floor physios deal with. I mean, I would say where we are, we have fantastic GPs all around. And um, but look, you've just got to. I, I think if you're not getting the answers, we're lucky. We've got loads of choice around here. You just keep searching so until yeah. you find the answers. So you touched on that it affects men as well, and I'd actually like to um, another day for yeah. another episode have a whole episode on your pelvic floor for men, but I'd like to touch on how the, the this yeah. topic in particular affects men. Well, men have pelvic floor muscles like women. Uh, they're similar, little some differences, but similar. Uh, and those muscles can also respond to stress, anxiety, um, like heavy lifting, like, like working out heavily in the gym, like full on, full on, full on, and those muscles are coming on. Um in, and, and pelvic floor muscles can often get quite tense in response to um, an, another episode of pain. So let's say a, disc, a, a, bladder, a bladder issue, uh, a, a, um, an infection or something in the, the, the bladder or um, the testicular region, um, that can cause pain, worry, anxiety, oh my God, what's wrong with me? And that then puts those muscles into that state of muscle tension We've, got, we've now got trigger points. We've now got all those things I was saying that we have in any other muscle in the body that any other physio, et cetera, will deal with. Um, and, oh, my gosh, if it's hard for a woman to find answers, it is doubly hard for a man to find answers. I was about answers. to say exactly that. Here we have been talking about taboo and embarrassment for women, yet, 
Yeah, to hear that about men, yeah. that's... Um... So, because it, it, if you've got... Um, I mean, your pelvic floor muscles do contribute to erectile function. So if um, if there are issues in the pelvic floor, it can lead to changes in erectile function. Uh, uh, so, um, yeah, it's tricky. But I, I remember going to a, a lecture. It, was, oh, it would be quite a few years ago now. I'd say it would be about seven or eight years ago. And it was a conference. We had a, a urologist, a male urologist, giving the lecture, and uh, he and he just said, "We don't we don't do anything with the muscles. We, we, in my training, we didn't even mention them. And now those muscles totally surround the organs that that urologist is dealing with. Um, but luckily, that has changed a lot. And again, I would say where we are, we're very lucky. We have numerous um, urologists who do know that those pelvic floor muscles are potentially an issue and who will refer men. And um, I'm pleased to say that you get great outcomes and part of it is is just just learning. When when somebody edu- education is therapy. When you when when a man understands he's got some muscles, understands how they work, understands that they're holding all this tension you know, you can get great changes just just within the session. And that's what we look for. And you build on that each time someone comes in. And um, like I say, an average three to five visits to your pelvic floor physio, you're solving your issues. So yeah. um, that's what we're looking for. Mm, fantastic. So as I said, I definitely would love to do a whole um, episode on, on men's health with um, yeah, I agree. pelvic floor physio because I know there's some other um, topics that we discussed before in relation to men. So if we go back to the women, what can we, um, what can some women take away today? So what what signs can they look out for in the in themselves? And you've mentioned the cough, their weight. Yeah. So um, I think uh, first of all, if you've had children, make sure that you know what your pelvic floor is doing, and make sure that in the middle of whatever exercise you do, if it's just a walk, if it, if you know whatever you know what your pelvic floor is doing. Um, if it's anyone else in the in the population, don't just think it's not me. Uh, be mindful of uh, do, you, do you feel comfortable? Do you get any leakage issues? Do you, you know, any of those issues with the bowel? Um, I mean, we haven't actually, we, we've, we've talked about when, when bladder leakage is one of the biggest things we deal with, we've talked about issues with cough, sneeze, etc. There is this other huge topic, which is overactive bladder, which makes you go frequently and urgently. Um, and, yeah. Is that a, uh, a worry? How does that – is that people worrying that they can't get to a toilet well, in time? Well, it starts for lots of reasons. It's huge, it's complex, but it'll often start with a little bit of the leakage with the cough, sneeze, because I'm weak, um, and then – uh, then you don't trust your bladder, then you start going more often and then you start getting in these patterns and the bladder can let you down before you get to the toilet. But interestingly, some recent studies have shown that men have almost as much of that problem as women um, and it does get worse for various reasons as we age, um, although the men don't get the leakage but they have the urgency frequency. And, again, men are suffering in silence on that one for sure. But... Um, so just things to watch out, just going back to your question, yeah. things to watch out for, for just, just see, just, you've got a pelvic floor. Do I know what I'm doing with my pelvic floor? Am I, is my pelvic floor part of what, of my general exercise? If not, just educate yourself, mm. find out and, and apply. Simple as that. 
What about signs to look for in others? And we talked about the withdrawing, they're not wanting to go swimming, but what what a that might, you know. Well, yes, um, I think that's going to be tricky because, um, you know, you need to know someone pretty well to say, you know, why aren't you coming to swimming anymore? Mm. But um, I, I think it's all of us just having those little feelers out and, and being connected, you know, like, are you okay day? We're all, we're all trying to be mindful of other people's mental health and what the reasons behind it might be um, and just try and open open the topic and get people coming out and getting help. And I think even as parents, it's a topic that we really should be educating our young adults on, our teenagers and young True. adults, if they're not um, aware yeah. of it. And I think, again, talking about that, there's a whole other topic that we haven't discussed, and that's um, children um, and issues, bladder, like constipation issues and bladder issues and wetting issues in children. And C. Heron, our wonderful colleague, um, does see children and perhaps when she's back from maternity leave, we, you can do There we go. Two more episodes. We've got the male, male pelvic floor session and we've got the uh, children, children episode. Children, yeah, children definitely. And adolescents. And there is actually, a, a if, if you've had issues as a child, there is correlation with more problems in, in later life. So, um, so we'll meet people who say, oh, I've always had a weak bladder. It's not a weak bladder. It's actually, it's not, that's to, to answer that is a huge topic, but it's not your bladder isn't weak. It's the the closure of the bladder that's weak, and it's the muscle itself that wants to go to the toilet too often. But um, yes, that problem is is more uh, more uh, prevalent in people who've had problems as, as a child. So problems meaning bedwetting or, or? yeah, bedwetting and um, uh, just wetting like just. Kids who wet the pants, yeah, okay, you know, and also kids that might soil. So that usually is because they don't like toilets and they won't open the bowels and they get chronically constipated and it's a whole sort of cycle of little things that can happen. Um, but uh, yeah, I feel like that's a whole another topic. And my colleague is my colleague C is uh, the best person to talk about those things. I think maybe we'll grab her before she goes on maternity well, leave. We'll see. Hurry. We'll see how she. <laughs> October. Yeah. <laughs> so what about some takeaway tips in for prevention? What can we educate people on today? Okay. Well, I think um, if you if you can do pelvic floor, if you, if you know you're doing your pelvic floor, you, you should be doing a set of exercises every day. Um, find something in your life that triggers you that um, – and, and, and don't be hard on yourself – it's like if you if you go for a walk, some of us go for a walk every day for six weeks and then we just suddenly, for some reason, we seem to stop and then we feel a bit bad and then we get back into it. So see it like that. There are things and have those things in the day that remind you. Um, we remember to do our teeth twice a day. I often talk about this. Self-care. Washing, showering, turning the shower on, waiting for the shower, water to get off. Some kind of thing in the day that says that's when I do my pelvic floor, which was the old traffic light thing. But remember, it's a time in your life when you're on your own, got a bit of grab that minute and a half to do your exercises. All right. So it's not a long time, is it? No, we've got no, not. we've got no <laughs> reason not to be no, doing them. But uh, um, and then. Um, Know that that I've got to keep coming back to them in life. Just keep coming back to them. Make them part of the routine. Um, So that's for people who are out there who know what to do. Um, I could probably give you some basics on 
I could give you basics on all sorts of things, but good bladder habits, you know, fluids, uh, two litres of fluid steadily through the day, um, just not going to the toilet just in case, trusting your bladder, um, knowing that you can go three or four hours and then it's reasonable that we might go and there's a good volume when we get there. That's on the whole sort of other side we haven't talked much about, the overactive bladder issue. So good bladder habits, good pelvic floor maintenance habits, being realistic, don't beat yourself up. Um, you know, we come in and out of things um, and I, we haven't talked greatly about bowel, but great good bowel habits too. Healthy diet, um, listen to the body, give yourself time, um, relax to empty, don't strain. Um, that, that might cover most there's things. Some, yeah, there's some great <laughs> tips. I think with what you've talked about today and, you know, finishing off with, with the signs to look out for in yourself or maybe your close partners, yeah. partner, friends, yeah. um, and some takeaway prevention tips, mm. I think that's really mm. good. And hopefully the education takes away the embarrassment and the and that taboo that yeah. we don't talk about and that's right. and that's people right. normalise it like any other weakness or injury. Or, exactly, exactly. And seek the help. Exactly. I, I, I always, when people come in and say, um, you know, we, do, we, we, we try and dissipate that feeling of embarrassment, but I'll tell you, every single one of us going in to have um, any kind of intervention with other, embarrassment is there for a reason. If we weren't embarrassed, we'd be running around with no clothes on. Okay, <laughs> just think of it like that. The emotion that I feel is a normal emotion. Um, it's what we all feel, and we just have to move a little bit through that and hopefully once you're there, your therapist or your doctor can dissipate that emotion and it's all okay. We're all in this together. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we want all of society running around naked, do we? <laughs> no, Wasn't no. there that emperor with the, you know, the invisible coat, but he was really naked? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, but, uh, yeah, there's nothing like a bit of a laugh to dissipate some of that um, emotion. Great. Thank you very much for all of your knowledge today and we look forward to having you on another episode down the track. My pleasure. If you have a topic you would like covered, get in touch via our socials. The contact details can be found in the episode notes. If you have loved listening today and are looking forward to future episodes, please subscribe, rate our show, share our podcast with your friends, work colleagues and families. So for now, goodbye. Thank you for tuning in today and see you next week.